This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live right here at AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, and WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today on President's Day. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Uh, Matt and Patrick here today. Uh, coming up in the uh, uh, the uh, Wheel of Destiny makes a return here. Uh, we have got, of course, great prizes coming up here in Listener Appreciation Week, uh, month, actually. It's another week of a Listener Appreciation Month going on. We'll start that in the four o'clock hour. We got a lot to get to today, including, uh, a lot to talk about with guns. But, Patrick, how are we today? Oh, things aren't going too bad. Well, other than, uh, you know. They, oh, don't worry. It's okay, man. It's, it's all good. Do you know how many times I've screwed up in radio? I think I just actually did. Uh, just uh, right now. There we go. It's it's that simple. That's easy. Did you have a nice weekend? Uh, I was actually recovering from a little illness. I feel, you know, back to maybe 90% today. Oh, what so. was it, a little cold? Allergies? Yeah, what? a little cold. Uh-huh. But, you know, we're good. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're back. I got out. It was actually kind of a light weekend for us. Because we've had we've had so many theater tickets and concert tickets, and we've been running around and doing a lot of things. It was just a nice weekend. Uh, so I okay. So give you an idea of the mentality I run with now. Because if you don't know, uh, for the folks in Chicago, we do an annual calendar here, and we started doing it in 2020, and it's wildly popular. You can actually find out more about how you can get the calendar as a thank you for helping to support the mothership radio station here, AM 950, by going to their website, am950radio.com. We in Minnesota have not had snow at all. It has been the wildest, weirdest winter ever. I have never seen anything like this. It is truly bizarre. I mean, bizarre. We were scheduled to have in Minneapolis uh, a World Cup cross-country cross skiing event the first time in 20 years it was scheduled to be in the United States. It was scheduled to be here in Minneapolis, and there was no snow on the ground. And their stories were out of town here of them borrowing every single snow-making piece of equipment they could find. Because it, it's not only been no snow, it's been shockingly warm. And so they'll make snow, and it immediately is melting. And so you're trying to create a, world, uh, a, a world-class cross-country ski trail uh, in all this, it's been a mess. We, like like God himself, looked down upon us and said, oh, let's, let's uh, color up the area with a little snow, shall we? Wednesday of last week, we finally got what was the biggest snowfall of the entire season. Seven inches, six, seven inches, depending where you're at in the Twin Cities Metro. Cross-country ski event saved. Well, I've got this thing where I'm taking pictures. I got to think about winter photos for next year. 
I don't have any winter <laughs> for next year. So it was a stunningly pretty day on on Saturday. I went over to St. Paul and I could not I've, I've posted already one or two pictures on social media. I could not take a bad photo. I could not. It was just spectacular. I got a lot of good stuff. It, it, clearly, one of the months is going to be that because I got to do that. And like I said, this wasn't a club in my bag when I started this thing out, you know, professional photographer. And really, I think we're using that term as a real stretch. But I take it seriously. Dang it. Because I love you guys. I do. I love you guys. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Oh, God. Can I just tell you, there is something that I find to be just hilarious um, in regards to 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 Trump because it is President's Day and and if you if you don't know what usually happens around President's Day is the academics start putting out their lists and ranking the presidents and it's not fair for any president to rank them the year after they leave office because generally federal policy takes a few years to kick in presidential policy takes a few years to kick in. So it wasn't – I mean, we all knew Trump wasn't going to be, you know, breaking the top 40, uh, you know, back when he left office. But we had to wait a few years. And finally, uh, chef's kiss, do I have some fun lists for you. President Biden, by the way, uh, they did rank him in there even though I don't think it's really fair to do so because you're a president that's sitting in office at the time. So I, I don't know if it's really fair. But – from the New York Times story, President Biden has had a lot of fun uh, pursuing polls lately. He had a lower approval rating than every president going back to Dwight D. Eisenhower at this stage of the 10 years, but he trails former President Trump in a fall rematch. Well, that's basically if you trust traditional polling. I don't. I think Generation Z has, is not about to jump to the Trump side, nor are the minority vote. I just don't see it as the Trump campaign insists. But Mr. Biden can also take solace from one survey where he's way out in front of Trump. The new poll of historians coming out on President's Day weekend ranks Biden as the 14th best president in American history, just ahead of Woodrow Wilson, Reagan, and Grant. Well, may not get Mr. Biden a spot on Mount Rushmore and certainly puts him well ahead of Mr. Trump, who places <clears throat> dead last as the worst president ever. Indeed, Mr. Biden may always place the top third part to Mr. Trump, although he claims to historical legacy by managing at the end of the COVID pandemic, rebuilding the nation's roads, bridges and other infrastructure, leading to an international coalition against Russian aggression. Mr. Biden's signature accomplishment, according to historians, was evicting Trump from the Oval Office. Biden's most important achievements may, um, uh, may, may be that he rescued the presidency from Trump, resumed a more traditional style of presidential leadership, and is gearing up to keep the office out of his predecessor's hands in the fall. Mr. Trump might not care much for the bunch of academics think, but for what it's worth, he fares badly even among these self-identified Republican historians. That's the best part. Even Republican historians feel as if he's atrocious. Finishing 45 overall, that would be dead last. Trump trails even mid-century failures who blundered the country into a civil war and botched the aftermath of it, like James Buchanan, Franklin Pierce, and Andrew Johnson. There was a stretch there where we just had horrifically bad presidents there. Going to the poll, now I'm going to read this. The Presidential Greatness Project Experts survey was conducted online via uh, Qualtrics from uh, November 15th to December 31st. 
Uh, respondents included current and recent members of the president's and executive policy section of the American Political Science Association, which is the foremost organization of social science experts in presidential politics, as well as the scholars who have recently published peer-reviewed academic research in key related scholarly journals or academic pre- uh, presses. So basically, these are people who are actively studying presidential politics. All right. Um and, and apologies to the Native American listeners, because once again, history, a lot of it is, is, is definitely through the prism of the individual. And for Native Americans, Lincoln was not a great president because of uh, the Dakota War of uh, 1863. And yeah, it, it wasn't. He was he, the, the, the prison camp he had at Fort Snelling and then the eviction of Native Americans to the Western lands. Native Americans are not big fans of Lincoln. That being said, you know, he was a individual who realized the the scourge of slavery needed to end in this country and was, you know, ended up being the leader during a civil war. And frankly, if not, he managed the one thing about the civil war, which I uh, that Lincoln, it's pretty amazing Lincoln survived is because his generals were such incompetent fools until he got to Grant. I mean, just every one of them could not get out of their own way. McClellan was possibly one of the worst military leaders the, the, the world has ever seen. He was atrociously bad. I mean, he, he, when, when McClellan was done, the, he damaged the North's ability to beat the South so badly, we had to come in from the West. <laughs> you could not attack them on the East. That's how bad McClellan was. Uh, Lincoln there, FDR, uh, today, number two, uh, there, but of course, a lot of people point out to his executive order to round up the Asian Americans and put them into concentration camps in World War II. Not exactly, uh, America's proudest moment, but overall, um, you know, getting through the Great Depression and, and basically, uh, you know, getting to the point where we got to the, towards the end of the World War II. FDR gets number two. Washington is at three. Roosevelt, Teddy Washington. And, and by the way, can I say I've I've watched a few historical things on Washington, and I actually posted it on the uh, the Friday link a few years ago. A fantastic, a, a fantastic story, historical perspective of the fact that you know what what Washington's real accomplishment was was the fact that he left office. Is that he could have he could he was so beloved in this country. By the white slave owners, but you know, and once again, African Americans, different perspective. Obviously, needs to be taken into consideration. But when you look at what he did, the fact that he could have stayed in that office until he died and created a sort of American monarchy, he didn't. He basically said, "I'm done," handed it off. Adams tried to create a monarchy, but there. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt at four, Jefferson at five, Truman at six. He's uh, coming up in the charts there. Obama? Oh, get ready. We, do, we just triggered a few people. Barack Obama's number seven. Eisenhower's number eight. LBJ, number nine. And Kennedy, JFK at 10. Which, one thing I want to say about Kennedy, and I like Kennedy a lot. I do. He really wasn't in office for a long time, but he did put into a place. Obviously, the Cuban mission, missile crisis was a big issue. Um, and, yeah. 
it was, you know, it, it, but he just wasn't there very long. I mean, it's like it, it's to a point and he was there longer than like Garfield was. Garfield was assassinated in office and he'd only been there for what eight, nine months. And that was oh, Chester A. Arthur took after him. But, yeah, it was, you know, when you look at that, it's, you know, it, it's it's amazing how well he's resonated still today. Madison comes in at 11. Bill Clinton comes in at 12. James Adams. And reminder, there are plenty of Republican historians weighing in on this. Weighing in on this. Uh, John Adams was number 13. Um, Biden, 14. Woodrow Wilson, 15. Reagan has dropped from 2018. He is down um, seven points. He's down to 16. Grant at 17. Monroe, 18. George H.W. Bush is at 19. And at 20 is John Quincy Adams. So one good thing, and I think we all can agree on this, the jackass that was Jackson, he has tumbled down dramatically. He's down from 20, when was this, 2015. He is down 12 points on the list, as he should be, frankly. But let's go to the, let's go to the bottom of the charts here. I mean, Casey Kasem wouldn't even be talking. I'll tell you what. I'll save this. I'll say this because i got to get into the break here. I'll save this. But let's just put it this way. Casey Kasem wouldn't even get to Trump's, you know, uh, name on this list. He wouldn't. This would be one of those things where he'd be, yeah, it would not even a long-distance dedication. Let's just be honest about it. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show on your Monday. It is the Matt McNeil Show on your Monday. Good to have you with us today, 952-946-6205. So we've talked about the better presidents and, once again, perspective in all those things. Here's let's, – let's look at the bottom of the list because this is always – I do love this one. This is always a good, a, good, uh, a good run here. Number 36, this is the bottom 10, is Herbert Hoover who – I want to I want to just tell you how monumentally catastrophic this bottom of this list was as presidents. Hoover took office, and granted, um, it was you know Harding or, or Coolidge rather. Coolidge basically did not help him. He set up the house of cards that was going to collapse. Quickly got out of office, handed the keys to Hoover, and ten months into his or eight nine months into his presidency, boom the 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 black uh, Black Monday, the stock market crash of nineteen. Uh, of 1929, and everything he tried to do, everything Hoover did, only made things astronomically worse. And then, and by the way, and it was that was there was such a close. He lost so many seats. I mean, the Republicans back then had basically a, 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 a filibuster-proof House and Senate. They lost, but they still had barely enough power to control things. And then came FDR after him and basically a massive swing to the Democrats. But Hoover is 36, and he was so incompetent, it's not even funny. And there are still nine more to go on the countdown. Tyler, the only thing Tyler did, and, and this is basically gives you an idea about him, he went, to, he went into his office 
after Harrison died, after after Harrison died, he went into his office and closed the door into the White House in the president's office, closed door. He established that the vice president basically becomes the president. And there was a time where we didn't know what was happening. Harrison was the first time a president died in office and we didn't really have a set line of secession uh, who was in after him. And so Tyler was there. Um, yeah, and that's basically all he did. Taylor, 38. Um, yeah, not good. Fillmore, Miller, Fillmore. Zachary Taylor, by the way. Zachary Taylor, um, he died in office too, by the way. Uh, taken out by peaches and cream, if I'm not mistaken. He, uh, you know, he loved, he was a, a war hero from the Mexican-American War. He could not stand Polk, who he replaced, could not stand him, and vowed that he was going to fix all these problems, and he was just – he was a very arrogant guy, and he, he met his match with a dessert. <laughs> and that's, that's what took him out. He had gastrointestinal uh, – basically, his intestines exploded because he'd, he'd eaten you know, rotten, rotten cream, uh, and that took out Taylor – Fillmore was his replacement. He was inept. he was inept. Harding, um, Harding was like a dog that you have to spray with a bottle to get him to stop trying to have sex with everything. Uh, that and 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 died in office. Yeah, uh, in, in, yeah, wasn't a good guy. And as a matter of fact, would have probably been the first president thrown out of office if he would have lived because he was so corrupt. I mean, he was astronomically corrupt just to the point where in the post-world war one era he and his cronies were buying up land in the country and then selling that was worthless and then selling it back to the federal government for a massive profit for va hospitals and stuff after world war ton it too i mean it just as a matter of fact and he's only i think is the only president uh, that had a um at, at a cabinet member that actually got w- was put into jail he fled to Europe because he was selling off the leftover military medical supplies and pocketing the money. So, yeah, really good. Harrison, William Henry Harrison. He was the – I want to make sure we – this is also – we just have to talk about this. Harrison died six weeks into speaking. Now, the, the story, the, 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 the wives' tale about him – is that he died because he went out on his inauguration to try to prove to everyone that he wasn't too old and had a long inauguration speech in the cold. He caught the pneumonia and he died. They actually believe that he was poisoned by the water in the White House now. that they be, This is back in the day before they realized you know, maybe getting water from the sewage lines was probably not the best idea. And so, yeah, this, there is, now it's the belief that he actually died uh, because of 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 the the plumbing at the White House at the time, so but he was there for six weeks. So I want to make sure we understand Harrison dying six weeks into his presidency is still better than the following four presidents. Franklin Pierce was wildly out of place. He 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 basically was the epitome of a placeholder, and was. He just he was he was a pretty boy that you know imagine a frat guy that never worked a day in his life become president i know <laughs> that's that's a that's science fiction 
But he was like the prettiest of pretty boy frat boys to become president. And, you know, he was more concerned about trying to turn D.C. into a kind of a Paris-like mentality with balls and pageants. And, yeah, it was – he wasn't good. Then comes Andrew Johnson, which, by the way, if I can criticize Lincoln for a quick sec, you know, the idea of bringing in a, a someone who is your polar opposite as your vice president as a unity ticket only works if you basically don't go to the theater and say, wait a second here, who's that behind me with a gun? Uh Johnson was not good. He was bad and, as a matter of fact, was hated by most of the people in the country by the time he left office. Then comes what used to be James Buchanan was horrible. Continued Pierce's party, party, party um, mentality basically sat back and did nothing as the country fell apart. And reminder that most of the country of the states seceded from the union prior to Lincoln taking office. So he basically started with one country and ended with two. Absolutely bad. But now we have a new leader in the clubhouse, Donald J. Trump. Now, once again, I have to make sure we mention that this is a poll of Republican and Democratic historians. To give you an idea, Lincoln's rating in 2024 is 93.87. That's his rating, 93.87. Trump's rating is 10.92, a full six six points behind Buchanan. Unbelievable. (laughs) A full 11 behind uh, Johnson. That's incredible. Um, the Republican rank and the Democratic rank. So I, I wanted to make sure we, we go through this as well. The Republican rank and the, the, the Democratic rank on all presidents here. Um, for Donald Trump, not a surprise, the Democratic rank for him is 45. But for Republicans, for conservative historians... Trump's rating is still 41st. That's the hometown team cheering for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, he deserves it. Absolutely, he does. Take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show on a Monday. Don't worry about problems. I'll be a calm Broadcasting in the evening on WCPTA 20 Chicago's Progressive Talk and in the afternoon on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show on your Monday, 952-946-6205. So let's get into the ugliness that is, what once again, a weekend of gun violence in this country. Now, I will say that there was... Um, Another story that came out here in the Indianapolis Waffle House, a mass shooting there left one woman dead, at least five people injured Monday morning. Gunfire erupted about 1230 a.m. when two groups became involved in an altercation. According to the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, four men and two women were reportedly shot. One of the men who reportedly got himself to Methodist Hospital was taken there by someone who was in critical condition. This on top of what happened 
at the end of the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade where what sounds like two idiot kids decided to basically pull guns on each other and start randomly firing at each other in a crowded area, killing one person and wounding 20-plus others. On top of that, uh, a very sad story broke here in Minneapolis over the weekend as what was a domestic um, call uh, ended up becoming a um, – a, a, a shooting gallery where an individual killed two police officers and a first responder who was trying to save one of the police officers who'd been hit. They themselves got hit and were killed. From the looks of it, I don't need someone – I've been – I was in the military. I don't need someone to tell me this. It clearly was an assault weapon that was turned on these officers here and very tragic and very sad. As you can imagine – Pretty much everybody has reached out and said, you know, dear Lord, how did we come to this? And sent all our well wishes out there. Uh, The governor of Minnesota, in the case of the Burnsville shooting here in the Twin Cities, very quickly came on out and, you know, showed support for the police. Amy Klobuchar, the senator as well. And, yeah, a, a very sad, very sad moment in the state to see, once again, the scourge of guns, the scourge of guns that a clearly deranged individual with an assault weapon becomes so lethal that they can take out trained officers and even a absolute saint of an individual who's trying to save one of those individuals who's been shot. The picture of the armored military vehicle um, that's what tells me it was an assault weapon, the amount of rounds that would hit that thing and, and the, the impact that they had. Tragic. What also is tragic is the response I have had to deal with from the right. Now, I want to specify this. I have five social media pages. I have five of them. I've got uh, a Facebook, which is by far my most popular one. I'm up to almost up to 9,000 on that. I've got Blue Sky, which you can find me on Blue Sky. You can find me on Mastodon. I'm there as well. Threads has come strong lately. You can find me on Threads. I encourage you to find me on Threads. I like Threads a lot. So find me on Threads. I think that's where I'm going to probably be doing most of my posting before too long. And, of course, <sighs> I've got a Twitter page. And you can still find me there. In the 16 hours, really, that this story with the shooting here in Minneapolis, in the, in, in the Minneapolis suburb of Burnsville, in the 16 hours that it's happened there, I've had to block probably well over 100 people on Twitter. I've not blocked anyone on any other social media, although I did have one guy get a little belligerent And through his belligerence, unfortunately for him, shared a lot of personal information that if I decided to go and turn it out to the public, would have turned his life upside down. Um, I basically have been having a conversation with him. And once I pointed out, dude, you you need to be grateful and, and tone down your attitude and be thankful that I am not nearly the horrible person you think I am. Because if I wanted to... 
I could, you know, I could ruin his life. He put down his job. I knew his job. He knew all these things. Put down his phone number. Dear Lord. No, you're welcome. I didn't take you out on that, but I will say that you need to, you need, you need to learn, be grateful that I'm a decent person as opposed to the people I've been blocking on Twitter, which is just a cesspool. And this is by design. This is what Elon Musk was, his job was, is to turn it into some sort of validated 8chan posting site. And that's what it's become. And it's just ugly. The unbelievable level of racism and bigotry that I've, I have been exposed to in 16 hours is unbelievable. But it well actually is it not unbelievable? No, it's 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 actually sadly believable. I guess maybe that's a better way to say it. Because in Trump's age, the racists and the bigots have been told you don't have to hide anymore. You can come on out, and they have. I've also been inundated with gun kooks, the gun guys who basically their argument is, particularly in the case in Burnsville. That the individual, and I'll talk more about the individual case coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, but this individual, um, he had guns had because he had problems, had his guns taken away. The courts did, refused. He petitioned to get his guns returned. The courts refused. So system is working. But then he clearly illegally obtained some guns. At least you'd hoped he'd illegally obtained them. I mean, it was illegal in the sense, but, I mean, it's not quite clear where the guns came from, whether he walked into a store and bought them or what the story is, but clearly he shouldn't have had them. And their entire argument is, see, the bad guy got a gun. There's no point in trying at all in any capacity to try to regulate guns. And the reality is, if you are pro-cop, then you've got to be pro-gun legislation. You just can't be. Those two things are intertwined because it's been shocking in the last 10 months. There have been nine dead police officers due to incidents in the upper Midwest where they've been shot because they're going into a place and a deranged psychopath can turn himself into a, a, a basically a, a military third world country. They, they, and they do, and they open fire, and we get the tragedy that happened in Burnsville. Now, some people might want to look at that and say, boy, you know, clearly what we need to do is to shore up the, the illegal gun situation. Instead, the gun kooks, the pro-gun people are like, see, don't try to do anything. Guns are perfect. Guns are the greatest. And I've actually had some people make the argument, some directly, some indirectly, but it's the same argument, that dead cops are somehow a justifiable outcome of a thriving Second Amendment. So I wanted to take a few minutes here and, and talk about the ludicrous nature of the Second Amendment and the unwillingness of people to try to address this. Now, the Second Amendment as written, a well-regulated militia, which once again, all these guys want to forget, being necessary to secure a free state, uh, to the security of a free state, the right to the people to bear, keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. 
That's what it says. And it basically says well-regulated right there. In, it's the, fir- the second and third word of the amendment, but those words get ignored. And up until about 1995, pretty much even Supreme Courts, even conservatives said, no, the, the intent was that well-regulated meant you could regulate it. It's only this modern-day right-wing fantasy where they've installed an incredibly far-right Supreme Court that we've gotten to the point where guns are uber all us, that guns have more rights than human beings in this country. And I want to point out how ludicrous this is by changing. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to ye old days, and they're writing the Constitution. And instead of guns, let's say the Second Amendment reads like this. Uh, Responsible, fun-loving times being a necessity of the happiness of America— the right of the people to be able to get blackout drunk and drive their horse and buggy home shall not be infringed. Shall not be infringed. Ah! Let's say that's what the Second Amendment said. Once again, responsible, fun-loving times being necessary to the happiness of America. The right to the people to be able to get blackout drunk and drive their horse and buggy home shall not be infringed. All right, let's let, let's let's take this one through history a little bit let's say that that's what they actually wrote it said that that you know there were some distillers or something that were part of the constitutional writing crew and they said we got to put this in here because who doesn't love to have have a few drinks nine or ten after a day and and reality was you know this country drank a ton up until about the 1830 1850s or so that's when you know and it wasn't that it was bad it was really the the, the movement away from alcohol is probably the 1880s, 1890s. That's when you started seeing it. But it was really bad in this country for a long time, in the early decades of this country. Now, the first thing you could say is, well, the, the, the legislation at the time it was written was you're going to get on a horse and buggy. And so at maximum speed, you could get uh, not very much there and um, – yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things where clearly at the time it wasn't meaning a you know a, a, a 1975 V8 Cadillac barreling down the street, metal, steel, and glass. And imagine the people that supported the Second Amendment with the drinking clause in it. Would it be like, wait, wait, wait what are you talking about? It shall not be infringed. You can't you can't interpret that only for that time. It's for every time. And let's say that we basically had a, a, a massive epidemic of people constantly driving drunk, way beyond the ability to control the car, crashing left and right, killing people all the time. And the first thing they come and say is, "This is just a side of what the founding fathers wanted." And everyone would say, well, no, the Founding Fathers, when they wrote this, they clearly didn't see this coming. They didn't see assault weapons, excuse me, Cadillacs, V8s, large cars that can easily kill people, kill 20 people. Easily. They didn't see that coming. And they say to you, that's irregardless. This is what the law is, and this this is the sacrifice we have to make. And they point to every person who had died and say, their sacrifice is worth it for a solid Second Amendment. Now give me a drink in the keys. And that's what they'd be doing. And they'd be screaming, shall not be infringed. And let's say all of a sudden one day someone drinks and drives and plows into a school bus and kills 60 kids. 
60 kids. And we all sit here and say, dear God, what? of the country says, we should be doing something about this, shouldn't we? And the 10% say, no, those kids, if they really did die, it could have been, you know, crisis actors. But if they did die, their sacrifice was necessary for the freedoms of America. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, a drunk driver kills two cops. And they vilify the driver because the driver was black. But they don't vilify the fact that drinking and driving is what caused the problem. Doesn't matter the individual. It was the vehicle being barreled down the street that took the people out. And they say, it doesn't matter until you can stop this completely and totally and have no one else ever do it again. There's no point in having any laws. We would think those people were insane, wouldn't we? I think we would. And yet this is basically the pro-gun argument in a nutshell. It doesn't matter how many bodies we have piled up. The reality is they'll keep piling up as long, as long as these people feel as if that's a good outcome. Make no mistake, two dead cops and a dead first responder are a tragedy that we should take very seriously and get some gun control in this country with some freaking teeth. Instead, what we are subjected to is the same runaround, that we can't do anything, that there is no point in doing a damn thing at all because those dead cops and that dead first responder, as tragic as they are, are a necessary outcome of worshiping the Second Amendment. And I'll be damned if I'm going to sit here and keep my mouth shut while this carnage continues to happen in this country. For God's sakes, it's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. It is the Matt McNeil Show, and I I am hot on this because I'm so damn tired of this gun issue. Because the argument is we can't do anything to stop it ever. And the reality is what we've done is minimal. But I'll get to that in a second. Garrett is in Burnsville. He wanted to chime in today. Welcome in, Garrett. Thank you for holding. Hey, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing okay. Uh, so, um, yes, what happened in Burnsville is tragic, and it's awful. And there, um, and it sucks that this happened. And whoever shoots and tries to kill police should be um, prosecuted to the full extent of the law, no matter what. I mean, I know he didn't survive the, the he killed himself, but um, the other thing is it doesn't help when people try to threaten to take away the police because this could have been way worse. Okay, and, and Garrett, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to, and I I don't mean to be disrespectful. I, your your phone is cutting out pretty bad, and basically it's like you don't want to discount the police. No, I I don't want to discount the police. And Garrett, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And basically, what he is saying is that. There has to be consequences. This individual in the Burnsville shooting uh, took his, you know, took his own life when, you know, he realized he was, you know, he was going to be done for forever. And basically, yeah, it left a lot of people, you know, there's that empty feeling of, okay, what just happened here? I have two dead police officers, a dead first responder, and a, and a dead suspect who killed himself. I mean, it's just, it's the insanity of it all. The and 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 you know, one of the truth is. You know, there are people here that they say, you're a lefty, you hate cops. No, I, I don't hate cops at all. The vast majority of police officers are absolutely outstanding individuals. The absolute, they are. 
They are. They're wonderful people. And if you talk to a police officer who are your friends with, which I have multiple friends who are police officers, they'll tell you the same thing. Oh, Derek Chauvin was horrible. I mean, what he did to our, our, our image was a god-awful. Stuff like that when he killed George Floyd. They will tell you straightforward. Be, be blunt about it. The reality is that gun control is pro-cop. I don't want police officers to have some psychopath being able to gun down people. And people will make this argument. It's like, we have all these laws in the books. They're getting enforced. We don't really have freaking laws in the books. We do have some laws in the books, but many of them don't really have a lot of teeth to them. And the ones that we do have that have some teeth, the Republicans have made sure are completely unfunded and understaffed so they can't be enforced. Or you have county sheriffs who I've determined that law ain't going to be enforced in my county. Pa-ding! Or you have massive lawsuits which basically draw out the law from ever being put into place and a Supreme Court who's been stacked to make sure guns uberalis is the only stance we have. It's time for us to start having politicians with the guts to rerun on the we need to freaking rewrite the Second Amendment. An assault weapons ban, absolutely. Mandatory gun registration, absolutely. Mandatory gun safety programs, absolutely. Mandatory insurance on all guns, all the time. Mandatory gun locks on all weapons, mandatory safe storage of all weapons, a 20-year minimum jail sentence for anyone selling a gun illegally. And coming up in the next hour, I'm going to talk about that specifically because there's an interesting element to that. But no, if you're selling a gun illegally with the knowledge it's going to be used in a crime or not knowing what the person's going to use it for, absolutely, 20 years in jail. You dry up the illegal guns in this country almost overnight. All those guys in Indiana buying guns and running them up to Chicago to sell on the streets up there to make some profit, they'd be done tomorrow. And a new tax on all gun and bullet purchases to help pay for the medical care and damage done by guns in our society. My God, that would be the least we could do for the victims of this carnage that we have allowed, allowed to fester in this country. The Supreme Court up until recently understood that states had a right. The assault weapons ban went through the Supreme Court and was deemed to be constitutional because the law, once again, and the, the well-regulated militia thing, it you know, being necessary to secure a free state, basically dictates that you can regulate guns. And you could do this tomorrow. And trust me, I think that every police officer in the country would love it if when they have to go, say, drop off a restraining order or something like that in someone's house, they don't have to wonder, is this going to turn into a freaking shooting gallery? You can regulate these things. It's only this modern Supreme Court that basically says guns over all this. And this is why I say you have to vote every freaking election because they're bought and paid for. We know Alito and Thomas are basically jamming money in their pockets or are doing on RV trips or taking five-star resort you know, you know, trips for rewards for passing voting the certain way they want to. It's undeniable there. But what we've got is 
we've got to show up and vote because that Supreme Court matters. And right now you've got a bunch of people there who are zealots who are there to push certain narratives. And so it's going to take some time. One way around the Supreme Court is you basically rewrite the Second Amendment. And it's time for us to do so. Because when it was written, it was single-shot rounds in a muzzle-loading weapon that maybe you could fire, if you were proficient, twice in a minute, maybe, and that's probably unlikely. And they sure as hell couldn't do the carnage that these guns can do today. That someone can see armed, well-trained police officers coming towards their house and basically load in a banana clip, pull the tr- lock and load, pull the trigger, and kill two officers, kill a first responder, leave a, a militarized, weapon-grade, army-grade tactical vehicle looking like it just got out of a out of a out of a gunfight in Fallujah for God's sakes we need to change because there are two paths here you can say okay he got a gun illegally well what do we do do we do as the right wants and says there's no point in enforcing any laws ever guns everywhere give them to 3 year olds give them to 100 year olds give them clips and have the safety off round in the chamber Or do we say, okay, fine, then we need to take the illegal guns much more seriously and shut them down. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. If you propose that 20-year mandatory minimum sentence for someone illegally selling a gun, funny story, a lot of Republicans are going to be against it. That's the truth. Chicago, have a good day. Minneapolis-St. Paul, Hour 2 is up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Monday. Matt and Patrick here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. If you are watching us on the uh, the live stream here, you will notice behind me right now is the Wheel of Destiny. And maybe maybe what we do is we go to, Pat, uh, Patrick, if we could, can we go to the, the, the window, the side camera over here? Can we see it on that at all or not? Yeah, just give me one second uh, here. If not, I can I can turn the camera here. Needless to say, it is a it is a technological marvel that we have that is just as spectacular as the day is long. I'll tell you what, should we just turn this camera here? Yeah, let's do that. All right, I'll do that. I'll do that. We'll get to that in a second. I gotta explain a lot of things here first, though. It is listener appreciation month here at AM nine fifty. Long overdue. We have needed to say thank you for a long time because you guys have been just purely special whether it's supporting the station uh through the sponsorship whether it's you know going to the advertisers where whether it's it's yeah just you guys have been great and you've kept the station going and we're really grateful so thank you from the bottom of our heart thank you very much now that being said we have got multiple ways we're giving away stuff now this week i'm going to just not today this is not today because we're doing the wheel of destiny today ha ha the technological marvel that is the Wheel of Destiny. Uh, we Today, uh, what we're doing is giving away with the Wheel of Destiny. These are going to be giveaways for people who have either liked the AM950 website, uh, or, excuse me, the uh, AM950 Facebook page. They liked the AM950 fa- Facebook page, liked a post on the AM950 Facebook page, or if you have uh, gone to am950radio.com, the webpage, and clicked for the newsletter. We've gotten those people. Those are the names you see here 
on the Wheel of Destiny. And those people are going to be in for some great prizes this week on my show. Uh, during this time, of course, Native Roots Radio and after my show. And, of course, Greg Bakken and Ghost Box Radio in the evening. During this week, we are going to have giveaways this week, which are basically uh, restaurant gift cards. We've got Mavericks with those real roast beef sandwiches in Roseville. Nightingale, fantastic place. You know, love Nightingale. And Great Wall Restaurant as well. we got gift cards to give away to them throughout the week. So listen for your chance to win there. Today, we are going to have, we're going to use the Wheel of Destiny to get ourselves three, count them, three different winners. And between the three winners, we will uh, give you each, and I'm going to get the camera set up here. There we are. Can we see you there on the camera? It uh, looks spectacular. It doesn't look spectacular. There it is. The Wheel of Destiny right behind me here. Uh, the three winners we're going to have, we're going to randomly assign each one either a pair of tickets to go see Lewis Black, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the final tour Friday, April 26th at Mystic Lake, uh, pairs of tickets for Randy Rainbow the president, uh, the, for President's Tour, that's this Friday at the State Theater, or the History Theater, where you'll get a pair of tickets to either a unique assignment or blended the Kim Lou sisters' uh, performances that they're doing over there. We've got to do this three times through that wheel, so Patrick... Start the wheel of destiny, shall we? Click, 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 and that looks like we have a winner, Sharon Anderson. Congratulations, you're going to get one of those three different sets of tickets there. So, Sharon Anderson, congratulations there. We'll go ahead and let's take Sharon off the wheel and spin for our second pair of tickets. Click, 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 and Marla Vats. There you go, Marla Vats. You're going to get yourself a pair of one of those sets of tickets as well. Congratulations to you. That's our second. This is our third winner for this Wheel of Destiny excursion. Whenever you're ready, Patrick. Click, 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 click. Click, click. There it is. Dave Milney. Congratulations, Dave. I can finally sit back down again. Hold on a second. There we are. This is what, this is, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Who says radio's dead? Ha! Uh, Congratulations, Mr. Milney. Uh, You as well. The three of you, we will randomly, uh, get you uh, either a pair of tickets to Lewis Black, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the final tour. That is on Friday, April 26th at Mystic Lake. The uh, History Theater, choose between the, the unique assignment or blended the Kim Lowe sisters uh, story That's uh, as well. That's one of them. And then the last one is Randy Rainbow for President Tour. That's this Friday at the State Theater. Congratulations, you three. Now, once again, this week, we have tickets to give away, uh, actually gift cards to give away, to delicious restaurants, Great Wall, Nightingale, and Mavericks. Listen into my show. Listen into uh, Robert Pilot, Native Roots Radio, coming up in the five o'clock hour. Listen to Greg Bakken tonight at ten o'clock. Ghost Box Radio throughout the week. We'll be giving away those tickets. And reminder: go to am nine fifty radio dot com. Uh, you can go to there and sign up for the newsletter, and that will get you onto the Wheel of Destiny next week. As well as also, they'll have instructions in the newsletter on how you can get on the Wheel of Destiny. On top of that, if you go to AM 950 Radio on Facebook, 
like the page or like any of the posts on the page during the week, you will be able to get your name on the Wheel O' Destiny for another fun-filled round of prize giveaways next week. So congratulations there. Clickety, 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 click. People like the clicking. Yeah, we click. We all click. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. And thank you. Thank you, listeners. I appreciate everything you do. It's... It's almost like we're doing this by the seat of our pants, isn't it? <laughs> you know, sometimes that's kind of has its own pros and cons. It does. Yeah, we got a cow, we got a curtain. We're putting on a show here. Hope you enjoy 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. All right. So I want to change the tone dramatically. Yesterday, I was headed to a, a birthday lunch. Uh, for a family member, and we started driving down 169, and I noticed on 169 there was quite a few emergency vehicles, and I said, okay, well, just take the crosstown, so I jumped in the crosstown, and on every bridge across the crosstown and on the side of the road, emergency vehicles were parked waiting for the victims uh, to be taken to the Hennepin County morgue from, I believe they were at HCMC downtown, and uh, yeah. It was a very sad moment, very uh, ominous moment when you realized how many people. I think most of us were kind of stunned to wake up on a Sunday morning to see such tragic and horrible news. That two police officers and a first responder had been shot and killed in Burnsville. There's a lot here I want to cover this hour about this. Because being doing what I do gives me an interesting perspective, not all of it good, uh, when I have to deal with the right who basically immediately think that their job is to start screaming their, their agenda, their narrative at everyone. But there's a lot of things out here we need to unpack. And I'm going to piggyback a lot from the last hour, which is that the reality is if you are pro-cop, you should be pro-gun control. And enough with these ticky-tack small things. It's time for some real gun control with some freaking teeth. And if that Supreme Court is not going to allow us to do it, then it's time for us to start electing politicians who are going to vow to rewrite the Second Amendment and fix it. So that we're all safer as a society. Because life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness was never meant to be under the constant barrage of gunfire. Whether you're a police officer or you're a civilian, it just was not meant to be. And no, the founding fathers of this country would be so disappointed in us that this is what we think they wanted us to do. To have schools shot up and concerts shot up and churches shot up and malls shot up. And have police officers killed because a deranged man can get an assault weapon relatively easy, even illegally, and basically open fire like it's a combat zone in Ukraine. First of all, I want to get to the story from today, which broke only about an hour before I came on the air, which was they've, outside of some far-right narrative validation websites, 
this had not been put forward. I'll get back to that, too, because there's something going on that we need to discuss with that. But here is this from the Star Tribune. A man suspected of fatally shooting two police officers and a fire department medic before taking his own life early on Sunday at a home in Burnsville was identified Monday as 38-year-old who had one serious criminal conviction on his record along with accusations of violent outbursts against two women for which he shared children. Shannon Cortez Gordon, 38, was convicted of second-degree assault with a dangerous weapon stemming from a 2007 incident where he brandished a knife and threw rocks at his victim during a fight in a Burnsville shopping center parking lot. Gooden's identity as the shooter was confirmed to the Star Tribune by a source briefed about the investigation. The conviction was later reduced from a felon to a misdemeanor because Gooden abided by the terms of his probation. While this order restored his right to vote, he was still barred from life from owning firearms, which I'm not against. In 20, August 2020, Gooden petitioned the court to, in vain to regain his right to own a gun, explaining he wanted to protect himself and his family according to court records. Gooden pointed out the court that he has not been convicted of any further serious crime, had taken anger management and parenting classes, advanced his education, maintained steady employment in the auto repair business for many years, and provided his long-term girlfriend, her two girl children, and his five children. The Dakota County's office, uh, attorney's office countered that along with the assault conviction, Gooden has had additional encounters with police involving assaults and disorderly conduct and numerous traffic violations demonstrating a continued disregard to obey the law. A county attorney's office also pointed to two orders for protection filed against him by women he shared children with. One of the women told the court that Gooden on October 30th, 2017, gave her a concussion and a black eye with a headbutt and also threw her down the stairs. The other woman said in her petition that on July 7th, 2020, Gooden grabbed a knife while the two argued and cut her clothes and swiped her foot, sending the woman down the stairs. At times, the woman continued, would pull her hair, throw her against the wall, and even let family members assault her. Both petitions failed to win either woman in order for protection. In the 2017 filing, the woman filed to appear for the hearing. A judge dismissed the second petition for lack of evidence. One of the women believed to have been living with Gooden at the time of Sunday's shooting declined to speak with the the Star Tribune, Gooden's family, also declined to comment. He was denied his weapons. So I want to make sure we point out a few things here. Because the laws did work here when it came to legally trying to obtain a gun. He was forbidden to have one because he was a felon. He applied to the court. The court basically argued, no, he shouldn't have them. And so the court said, no, you can't legally have guns. There you go. So now is the problem that system that we have put into place to try to keep us safer, or is that problem the fact that because the gun industry has a guns everywhere mentality, that basically this guy was able to what uh, well and we don't know yet i can't say this guy could this guy have walked into a gun dealer and bought this weapon he might have we don't know but regardless of how he got it whether he bought it out of the back of a car somewhere or whether he actually walked into a store he illegally had the gun so what does that tell you? What do we do? Do we say, well, there's no point in having any gun regulations. Give every child a gun and a bottle of booze. Why not? 
That's what the founding fathers wanted. Shall not be infringed. Or do you say, okay, well, we've stopped the flow from this side. How do we stop the flow from the other side? And one could easily say that you could basically make it where you will lose your gun shop if you sell someone a gun illegally, (laughs) if that's how they obtained it, if they didn't do their background check, if they didn't do their due diligence. If that's the case, well, you can lose your gun shop because you are basically putting guns on the streets that should not be there. Or we can do, as I suggest, which is a 20-year minimum jail set time for an individual who sells a gun illegally. Now, I know that there are going to be some people out there, particularly on the left, who's like, Matt, that's a long time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because this crap is out of control. And we will not solve this problem by basically sticking our heads in the ground and acting like something's going to solve it. You need a strong enhancement to stop the illegal flow of guns into our communities. And a 20-year sentence, if you did that, if you took some guy who was buying a bunch of guns someplace, brought him into town. I mean, God, where was it? Was it Texas? There was one guy whose house apparently had been busted into 14 times. And funny, the only thing they took every time was the guns. And that's when they finally figured out, wait a second here. It's almost like this guy is buying a bunch of guns and then basically selling them and then claiming they were all stolen. And yet there was nothing in the system to basically show, wait a second here, what happened to the 500 other guns you used to have? Oh, they busted it and only took the guns again. That sort of thing. That, that crap's going on, man. And if you took one of those people and you basically said, well, you're not coming out of jail until 2044. I guarantee it wouldn't be absolute but the vast majority of illegal guns would dry up overnight. And the ones that were available would be so expensive, it would be counterproductive for people to be able to buy them on the streets. So, yeah, if you put that into place, and you basically said if a gun dealer sells a gun illegally to someone that they shouldn't be doing that to and got the database up and running that we shouldn't have, well, guess what? This guy might not have a gun. Two officers might be alive. A first responder might be alive. I'm going to take a break. When I come on back, I want to talk a little bit about the the, the pushback, the gun guys, and and God, I'll tell you what it's been it's been a fun mess online today and the last 24 hours with the gun kooks out in force. I'll talk about that when I come back. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM nine fifty. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. So yesterday, uh, at about, I'm going to get around 3 o'clock or so, uh, I started getting them. 
it was far right people basically you know you know with what they always do when a tragedy like this happens um lies after lies character assassination against governor walls character assassination against keith ellison um you basically um you know just made up stuff you know it, you know i want to basically break down what some of the paraphrasing some of this stuff but it, it really is what they were saying one governor walls is the actual killer that that this is this wasn't the guy down in Burnsville shooting up the killing these officers that Governor Walls apparently was the gunman. That was one of the things they said that I had multiple. And this is just a sign of how a cesspool that Twitter has become. And I've actually had to report multiple people on this because they and they've been blocked. Actually, even Twitter has got some standards on some of this stuff. Arrest or kill all black people. That's one thing that I've heard multiple writers say. And the other one is we can't pass any gun laws ever. Shooting deaths of the police are an unfortunate, acceptable side effect of the Second Amendment. And that is something that they – I just had someone right now. I just blocked a woman right now who is saying, see, the laws don't work, so there's no point in even trying to do them. So wait a second. What you're saying is that you shouldn't have any laws at all and that when a cop gets killed, you just shrug your shoulders? I mean, basically, you know, you know and yeah, they're just – relentless and i can tell you why they're happy the far right is happy they don't really care about the cops and i'm dead serious when i say that i don't think they really care that much about the cops i'm not talking about all republicans i'm not i'm talking about these far right zealots that show up on social media the trolls they don't care about the cops the second they got wind the shooter might be black then it all became about the, validating their narratives they wanted to put forward. And that it, 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 and they did so en masse. It was unbelievable. And it is just disturbing to see this kind of level of belligerence. Because once again, I want to point out, the system seemed to work. Up until the illegal guns got there. And the system worked in the sense being is that he was convicted felon. He couldn't have a gun. He tried to petition the courts. The court said, no, there's still enough question marks here. We cannot give you your guns back. Fine. That worked. It was then when he went and got the gun. And, and I said, and I've said, what we should do is put in a minimum 20-year sentence for someone illegally selling a gun to someone else, a firearm to someone else, an assault weapon to someone else. If you are illegally selling that weapon, 20 years minimum, you're gone. And it's funny because that would dry up the illegal gun market. But these same Republicans who, and like I said, they're conflicted. On one side, it's like, you can't do anything. And then they scream, why isn't Governor Walls doing something? Because it's, it's basically a, an equivalent. They see dead cops and they have a, the, these far-right trolls have a political orgasm. And that's what they're at right now. They're just, they're just blindly screaming. And like I said, they don't care about the cops. I care about the cops. I care about the first responder. That's why I want to see common sense gun control. Because you know what? They don't deserve to die. But you put out this suggestion of, okay, let's get rid of the illegal guns off the street. Let's get rid of them across the board. 20-year minimum sentence you're caught selling a gun. And you do not want to underestimate where a lot of these guns are coming from. A lot of them are coming from rural parts of this country 
into large metro areas. And what that is is basically a lot of white guys are going out and buying guns, and they're taking them into the inner city and selling them there. And depending on the state, they may have to report them as stolen. They may not have to report them as stolen. The reality is they just basically, and sometimes they don't even have to report anything at all. So when I bring this up, all of a sudden, the tone from the far right guys changes. Well, wait a second here. What are you talking about? You know, I'm not for illegal guns, but, you know, I've got a cousin that sold a weapon. I mean, what if he did it illegally? Now he's going to jail for 20 years. That's a little harsh, isn't it? You know, I don't know if that's a good path. So let me get this right. You're complaining about illegal guns and that you say illegal guns should be off the street. You also say that we can't take illegal guns off the street, but then you say that we should pass laws to take them. Needless to say, you're confused. You're conflicted. But I propose, if you're sincere, to take these illegal guns off the street, a 20-year minimum sentence for anyone who's selling guns illegally, which will dry up the guns instantly. And like I said, I'm not saying we'll get rid of them completely, but the vast majority of illegal guns would become so cost ineffective. I mean, it'd be thousands and thousands of dollars. You basically would have done anything. You know, you'd done a tremendous amount of good to get the illegal guns off the street. And as the police confiscate the rest of the guns, they're basically they're not being replaced. There you go. We're starting to succeed. Then you put that in conjunction with the other laws that we have in place, and you've got a functioning system. See? We're not doing it half-ass. We're actually doing it correctly. And all of a sudden, these Republicans are like, well, say, I, I don't know if getting rid of guns is, you know, you can't just stop people from selling a gun, man. No, I'm not saying you can't sell a gun. You have to sell it legally. You have to sell it legally. You have to do it like you sell a car. You can't just give someone a car. You have to transfer the title. You have to transfer the, you got to do those things. That's what you have to do. You can do it legally, but you just can't do it illegally. So your rights have not been infringed in any capacity. It just says we're going to soak up all the illegal guns off the street. But because I think even they know where most of those illegal guns are coming from. And I brought up in the uh, the 3 o'clock hour Chicago, an insane amount of those guns are coming out of Indiana. Are being bought by rural white people and brought into the city and dumped on the streets. As they count their cash heading on back into, into Indiana. They know where it's going on. They just don't want to stop it. And part of it is they don't want to stop it because they don't want to lose the narrative. If all of a sudden illegal gun you know, sales dried up, well, would there be as much crime? Could they use it politically? No, of course not. And they've created this self-generating political narrative machine now. We can't do anything to stop guns. And so the gun slaughter happens. They scream, why aren't the Democrats doing anything about guns? As they basically say, we're on the side of cops. They're not. If you are against common sense gun control, you are not on the side of cops. Period. Period. It is so disturbing. And once again, I especially in this town, in this state, where they're desperate to have, Republicans are desperate to have some sort of campaign season thing. They're, they're desperately, look, it's black people. Look at the black people. They need to be reined in. Governor Walls, Governor Walls did this, and you can't do a thing about this, so get rid of all the laws you have in the first place. 
They are sowing the seeds of chaos. Not because they care at all about the dead police officers, not at all. But because they are using those dead police officers for a political narrative. They're disgusting people. And as much as they want to say, you hate the cops, man, no. I love the cops. I don't want them dead. I don't want them dead by an illegal gun in a shootout. I don't look at that, oh, God, I mean, they were. Can I say the far-right trolls online were so happy when they discovered it was a a black person because they just ran with their narratives. It never was about the the dead officers. And we've had shootings. I mentioned in the last 10 months, nine shootings of police officers in the last 10 months. And some of those have been white people shooting them. And those, they disappear. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of dead kids. I'm tired of dead parishioners. I'm dead, tired of dead shoppers. I'm tired of dead concert goers. And I'm tired of dead cops. So I am at the point now where if we don't start looking at rewriting the Second Amendment at its core and stopping this insanity that we're all going to be shot at some point. We're all going to be killed. Until there's one guy holding 12 guns and another guy holding 12 guns staring at each other saying, can I trust you? The epitome and the definition of insanity is seeing the failures of the system and not only not fixing them, but gleefully cheering on those failures. That's insanity. If you are pro-cop, then you should be pro-gun control. End of discussion. End of discussion. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. So, yeah, that's that's the part about this whole thing, which is is, is this, you know, the, the basically the equivalent of screaming, I'll not be infringed, you know, that sort of thing. This idea that, well, the system is completely failed, so repeal every law, don't even try, dead cops are just a necessity, because that's what you're saying. If you're saying... There is no point in trying to regulate this, make this. It wouldn't even be the Wild West. It would be something we've never seen before. Guns everywhere, shooting everywhere, just chaos on the streets. If you're really like that, because you've got this really crazy mentality that somehow, even though there are guns everywhere in this country, that that somehow has stopped all the shootings. And we have more shootings than we've ever had in our entire existence. I mean, there are more dead people due to guns in this country than ever before. So clearly, the guns everywhere model is not working. But when you see a story like this, what's the first thing you do? Well, you shouldn't even try to regulate the guns. So what you're saying is dead cops, as unfortunate as that might be, is an acceptable outcome because the guns are more important than the police officers' lives. Crazy. That's just freaking crazy. Someone could say the system worked up until this guy went and illegally obtained guns. Only a fool would say, well, 
Well, at that point, then scrap every law we got. Regardless of whether a person is mentally competent enough to fire a gun. And by the way, we were kind of missing another point, too. Is you're in Burnsville. Burnsville. Who the hell needs a military-grade assault weapon in Burnsville? Seriously, who? It's not for hunting. No, it's not for hunting. Why would anybody need this? And this goes for everyone in Burnsville or really anywhere. Why do you need a gun that was designed to kill as many human beings as quickly as possible in a military combat situation? Why? It's Burnsville, for God's sakes. It's this delusional, the guns are what keep us, it's just craziness. Are you expecting a junta to come to your front door? Oh, is it the zombie thing? Is the zombies going to come? Living in fear is, let's put it this way. You live in fear constantly. Let me make sure you understand something. Eventually, you're going to fire that gun. And whether it's a police officer knocking on the door or it's one of your kids who forgot their key trying to sneak in the back door, you're going to shoot first and ask questions later because fear is what controls your life. If you think that you need an assault weapon in Burnsville, then fear has already gripped your weak and warped minds. I want to as well bring up a comment, and I I, I was – this was something that was put out there. Uh, in regards to to uh, the the shooting, and it was put out there. And forgive me a second here; I got to try to find it here. Um, it was in regards to a, a a sheriff. This was let's see who is this guy. This is Sheriff Scott Rose. He's the Dodge County Sheriff in Minnesota. And I want to read what he put out. And once again, this was twenty three hours ago. So this was at. Five o'clock yesterday afternoon after two cops got shot and an e- and a first responder got shot and killed in Minnesota. Heartbreaking press, con- press conference in Burnsville. Had to turn it off when Governor Walls came on. Can't take listening to him talk about how important LE is, law enforcement is, when he's done nothing but berate and vilify our Minnesota cops for nearly four years now. Please pray for Burnsville Police and Fire Department. Now, Sheriff Scott Rose, screw you, you political jackass. And I'll say it to your face, Sheriff, if you want me to. Screw you. That's my that's my First Amendment rights there. Governor Walls. Where is it just because he's DFL? Is it just because he's DFL? He's been one of the most supportive police governors I've seen. You know, is it is it because of what happened after George Floyd? Now I want to remind you. He had we after George Floyd, we were dealing with a police department which murdered a man in the streets and with Julio Stallings was going on hunting expeditions for other people in the city streets of Minneapolis. And you had Bob Kroll, who, reminder, 
with Scott Gazelka was apparently, uh, at least allegedly, working behind the scenes to try to get Trump to throw the governor out and install Gazelka as the governor and, I guess, Bob Kroll as the commandant of Minneapolis. When faced with that option, I don't blame Governor Walls for going to the National Guard. Plus the fact that it had to do with St. Paul, too. So it made sense to call out the National Guard. Someone, Something he's very familiar with, with his extended military campaign and service. You guys in, like, the Dodge County Sheriff like to sit there and say, Governor Walls just hates us. Does he? I, I think you're hearing things that you basically have become so buried in deep into your political narratives that you don't even hear yourself half the time. Governor Walls has been a supporter and defender of law enforcement. And as I mentioned, there is, there is a, a, on, on social media, there is this element. Already I've seen at least 10 conservative trolls say, don't, don't you dare invite the governor or any Democrat to the funerals because they're trying to take the funerals and turn them political. Not because Governor Walls is against the cops, but because they desperately want the victims of this tragedy to basically do their political points for them. The reality is this sheriff is doing more damage to him. And, you know, you know, this is one of those cases, like I was saying last week, this is one of those cases where the conservative is banking on the Democrats being nicer to them than they are to the Democrats. Because I guarantee you when Sheriff Scott Rose goes hat in hand to the state saying, well, my, my department needs money because the taxpayers in the county can't cover the expenses. He's not expecting Governor Wall saying, hey, let's talk about that jackassian tweet you sent out there, Sheriff. No, Governor Walls is going to say, okay, tell me what you need. So this is one of those sheriffs who's just got his head so far jammed up in his own propaganda that he doesn't even know what he's doing. My response to him was this. In the 10 months, in 10 months, nine law enforcement officers have been killed in the upper Midwest by guns. And your biggest concern on day on a day, two officers and a first responder were killed is to attack Governor Walls. Wow. You need to check yourself, Sheriff. You're out of control. I will also say there is another element of this story which I thought was interesting. And that is, okay, so I talked about there were these right-wing narrative validation websites. I'm not calling them news. They're not news. They're right-wing validation websites. Do you remember when Hutch rolled his car? Do you remember that Someone in the sheriff's department or someone within the county lockup allowed a right-wing news journalist, and I use the air quotes on that, to have unfettered access to the vehicle in the impound lot and a smear campaign for against the former sheriff. And the first thing I said was, and by the way, I heard back that I was absolutely correct on this, that 
the first thing I said is, well, you've just gotten rid of the vehicle in any capacity as evidence against Hutch in that case because you've basically allowed people in to go view it. There's no way on the planet you can honestly say that stuff was in the vehicle when we when we found it. At that point, it's your the, the police themselves were conspirators in planting evidence, whether they did or not, in the vehicle. And I said it was really stupid. And it was basically because they didn't care about the court case. They didn't care about actual justice. They just wanted to do a smear campaign on Hutch. I found it very interesting that it was only an hour before I came on the show that the legitimate news outlets finally identified the shooter. Meanwhile, clearly some element of law enforcement spoon-fed to these right-wing narrative validation websites all the information about the shooter and who they were and all this other information so that they could drive a narrative for 24 hours in the media before anyone else could. Because I can tell you right now, I can't tell you how many Republicans said, there's one zealotry outlet basically posted this. Why is the mainstream media ignoring it? Because the mainstream media is waiting for the official news release from the police, not basically backroom discussions. Now, I don't think it's all the police, but I think we need to understand at this point, there's an element within the police forces in this state who are out there whose main goal is not prosecuting crime, is not basically getting to the bottom of facts. It's basically about making things as political as possible. And we need to understand that. Whenever it shows up on one of these right-wing narrative validation websites, it's not about actually caring about the victims or anything there. It's about pushing a political agenda. And it's that simple. So just be, you know, newsreader beware. If the only place you're seeing this, these facts are one of these right-wing narrative validation websites, well, then you can tell what's going on. It's about creating a narrative. It's about selling something. Me personally, I'm just incredibly sad that there are two dead police officers and a dead first responder. And I want to stop that from happening again because I want common sense gun control. And if you want to look at me and say, well, that's political, fine, it's political, but it's also the most common sense response that you can have to this, because I don't want to see cops dead. And it is a little concerning to me that there seem to be police officers who are far more concerned about about driving a narrative than making sure that we mourn these officers correctly. 952 946 6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. The Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952 946 I mentioned this was the ninth time in barely 10 months that law enforcement officers have been killed or wounded by gunfire in or near Minnesota, December 7th, 2023, St. Paul, Brandon uh, Dale, Sean Keys, 24, Maplewood, died in an exchange of gunfire with a police officer. The officer, Michael uh, Sheeta, was shot in the leg. 
on October 12, 2023, Glenwood Township near Princeton. Five officers with a search warrant were shot during an exchange of gunfire with a man who was inside the home with numerous guns. The suspect, 64-year-old Carl Thomas Holmberg, was wounded before his apprehension and was charged with six counts each of attempted murder, first-degree assault of a police officer. Uh, in Algona, Iowa, police officer uh, Kevin Cram was fatally shot while trying to arrest Kyle Ricky, 43, of Algona over an active warrant for harassment. About four hours later, Ricky was apprehended roughly 110 miles in the north in Sleepy Eye. In tw- August 11, 2023, a Minneapolis police officer was shot and wounded by automatic gunfire while pursuing a robbery suspect in an unmarked car on the north side. Four people were arrested that night. July 14, 2023, in Fargo, Officer Jake Wallen, 23, was killed and two fellow officers and a civilian were wounded by gunfire from Mohammed Barak, uh, 70, uh, excuse me, 37 of Fargo. The fourth officer shot and killed him at the scene. On May 6, 2023, Western Wisconsin, St. Croix County Sheriff's Deputy Katie Leasing, 29, was fatally shot just outside of Glenwood. Leasing was answering a call about a drunken driver stuck in a ditch. The suspect, Jeremiah Johnson, 34, of Shakopee, was found dead nearby with a gun close to his body. April 15, 2023, Western Minnesota, Pope County Sheriff's Deputy Joshua Owen was killed on his 44th birthday while responding to a domestic dispute call. Two other officers were wounded. A suspected shooter, Brian Nygaard, 34, of Cyrus, Minnesota, died when officers returned fire. April 8th of 2023, in Western Wisconsin, two police officers were shot and killed in Barron County during a traffic stop in Cameron. Officers Emily uh, Breidenbach, 32, in Czech Police Department, and Hunter Scheel, 23, of the Cameron Police Department. The suspect, Glenn Douglas Perry, 50, of New Auburn, Wisconsin, died in the exchange of gunfire. And now we have the case in Burnsville. We had multiple cases. Someone's trying to help a drunk driver in a ditch. We have a guy trying to drop off a warrant. Killed. To keep looking at this situation and keep saying it's fine when the entire world is burning around us is insanity. It is just insanity. If you are pro-cop, then you are pro-gun control. Because officers do not deserve this. They just do not deserve this. And we owe it to them to make sure they don't have to always wonder, is today the day? Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We're back tomorrow. Till then, see ya.